wanted to have a look at me. <laughs> Talking about new wineskins. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Pastor Jeff, over in Melbourne, and so good to be here. Greetings, everybody. Um, hola. Kawichina. Oh, forgot how to say that one. Guten Tag. Bonjour. Kimazu, Kimashu, Jumbu, Kiora, and in my language it's Talofalava. Talofalava. Everybody say Talofalava. Yay. I think I'm in Samoan Church. Awesome. Wow, what a great morning. Worship is just awesome. Um, communion and celebrating, you know, Naja, Jimmy, Raphael, and Ryan. Excited for their journey. You know, um, the theme for, our, for the year is new beginnings, and I'm excited for your guys' new beginnings, and we look forward to what God is going to do in and through your life. So it's exciting to be here. Well, awesome to be here. It's always a privilege to bring the word, and especially here in the AM service. It's so good to be here and see the guys up in the balcony. Awesome. Well, it's a brand new month, October. And as we know, every month we have a different theme. And so the theme for this year is wineskins. And the overall theme, as I said before, for the year for our church is new beginnings. And so the title of my message this morning is New Wine for New Beginnings. Because there are many here that are entering into a new beginning of your life. There's a new season that you are entering into. But you know what? You don't want to enter into that new beginning or new season without the new wine that Jesus has come to bring. So let's go to Mark 2, verses 21 and 22. So go into your Bibles. It could be up on the screen. And we'll have a look at Mark 2, 21 and 22. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. I believe that there is a lot of new wine skins in the house this morning, ready to receive that which God would have you receive. Let's pray, church. Father, we come before you, Lord, in the awesome, powerful name of Jesus. We thank you for your name, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there are good ground, good soil in the house tonight, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly to each and every one of us, myself included, what you would have for us to hear from you this morning. We thank you for the new wine which has already been poured out by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father. Have your way this morning. We love you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So why is Jesus saying you can't put new wine into old wineskin? It's quite an interesting thing. When you look at the whole chapter of Mark 2, 
Jesus begins in Mark 2, and he heals somebody. Four friends are carrying a, a friend. They lower their friend down through the roof. Jesus sees the faith of their friends and says to them, your faith has made you healed or well. He not only heals that person, but then Jesus goes on to forgive that person of their sins. Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. The Pharisees are there. The Pharisees are watching and they're scratching their head going, who is this guy to forgive their sins? This is blasphemy. Only God can do that. You see, the Pharisees, as we know, were the religious leaders of, the, of that time. They were well-versed in the Old Testament. Well, they only had the Old Testament. So they were well-versed in the law of Moses. So they knew all about the coming Messiah, yet they didn't recognize the Messiah when he's right in front of them. Talking about wineskins. Jesus then, going on further into chapter 2, begins to call more of his disciples. He calls a guy called Matthew or Levi. And this guy is a tax collector. And the tax collector was one of the most despised people of that time. The main reason being he was ripping off his own people, working for you know, the Romans and ripping off his own people. So he was quite, he wasn't very popular. And so here's Jesus again coming to a tax collector saying, follow me. Matthew then gets up, leaves everything and follows Jesus. The Pharisees are there again and they're scratching their heads again. And they're saying, this guy is healing people, forgiving people, and now he's calling sinners to come and walk with him. He is, Jesus is doing something that is out of the box. I'm just going to take a moment to set this sermon up. And then after that, there's a time of fasting. And once a week, oh no, sorry, twice a week, the, the people would fast. And now the Pharisees are fasting and John's disciples are fasting. But instead, Jesus is feasting and partying with Matthew. He is with Matthew at his place with other tax collectors and other sinners and they are partying while they should be fasting according to the, the law. The Pharisees are there again and they're looking at this guy. How come you are feasting while we are fasting? Who would be following Jesus then? <laughs> I know if Jesus is feasting, I would rather be feasting than fasting. You know that's a spelling mistake in the Bible, right? They missed, they missed out the A, so they feasted for 40 days. It's a joke. It's a joke. So Jesus heals somebody and then forgives them. Pharisees are going, who is this guy? He then calls Matthew, a tax collector, a despised person, and parties with him and gets him on board into his team. And then instead of fasting and following the rituals of the day, what's he doing? He's partying and he's feasting with these guys. And these guys are saying to Jesus, why are you fasting? Why are you feasting and not fasting? And then we come to the text. No one sews a patch of unshrinked cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece 
will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst and the skins will burst, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, Jesus said, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So what are wineskins? Wineskins are basically bags made out of goat skin. They were bottles that they used back in the day. And they would take them in. I think we got a couple of images of some, some wineskins that looked like what they looked like back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's made of goat skin. They would, first they would eat all the meat, of course, during the feast. And then they would, take, they would remove the bones. And then they would clean the inside. And then they would pour the wine into these wine skins. The wine skins. So they were made of goat skins. Kind of like a billy goat. Then I was thinking if it was in Australia, that's probably where they get the word billy from. But sorry, man. Sorry, I said. I wasn't going to say that. But, but these are wine skins. So Jesus is, is saying you pour new wine into the old wines, into new wine skins or fresh wine skins. Why is that? Well, there's a process called fermentation or fermenting. So when the wine is made, first of all, how was wine made? Back then, they would take the grapes from the vine. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. Remember that. So they would take the grapes from the vine. Then they would crush them in the wine press. And the wine press back then, they would trot on them. They would stamp on them. They would jump on them. And they'll use their legs. They'll use their feet. And they'll use their toes. Can you imagine the grapes going through the toes? <laughs> Makes you wonder if they're making jam or wine. So. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He's making wine. So anyway, excuse me. So the grapes are getting crushed. They get trampled until there's nothing left. Once that happens, it goes into another part of the wine press where then a rolling stone begins to crush out the remainder of the grapes until it's totally destroyed. That's the wine press. And then they would take that wine and then they would pour it into the fresh wineskins. Not the old wineskins, but the fresh wineskins. Why? Because the process of fermentation or fermenting is a chemical process or a chemical change by which the sugar is converted into alcohol and carbon dioxide because of the yeast and because of that, it causes the, the new wine to begin to expand because yeast expands. So this liquid is expanding. Because it's expanding, it needs to be put into a wineskin that's also going to be able to house the new wine. It needs to grow with this transition of fermentation. It needs to expand. If the new wine is poured into an old wine, now, it's not old and new in terms of age, but it's in terms of freshness. So if you put the new wine that has been crushed into the old wine skin, 
Jesus said that it's going to break. It's going to burst. Why? Because the old wineskin has already been used. So the old wineskin has already reached its full capacity to grow. It can't grow. So Jesus is calling us to be new wineskins, to be teachable, to be flexible, to be stretchable, and therefore to be reachable and preachable and pliable. Jesus wants us to grow with the fermentation of the Holy Spirit, which is the new wine. Can you grow with the Holy Spirit in you? Or are you like an old wineskin that says, you can't tell me. I know the Bible. I knew the Bible before you were born. Are you teachable? Are you stretchable? Are you flexible? Are you pliable? Are you convertible? Are you, are you in a position where you can house the Holy Spirit? When he leads you to go this way, are you stretchable and flexible to say, yes, Lord, I will go? Wineskins. We're talking about wineskins this month. So new wine for new beginnings. That's the title. New wine for new beginnings. I got my Bible here, one of my many Bibles, and this Bible tells one main story. It has a lot of stories, but it tells one main story of the story of redemption, God rescuing his children again. But it tells one story, and right throughout the Bible, there's like a scarlet thread that is woven throughout the books of the Bible telling one story. And the scarlet thread is like the blood of Jesus. And the Bible refers to grape juice as the blood of the grapes. A scarlet thread going through the Bible is the blood of Jesus. One story, but there are also two, well, there are sets of twos, or there are different pairs. Example, twos, meaning the Bible has two parts. It has the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. It also has two beginnings. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, in the Book of Beginnings, it has, in the beginning, God. In the New Testament, in John, in the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. So the word and God. And then you jump down from John 1 to chapter, chapter 1 verse 14. And it says, and the word, who was God, because in the beginning was the word, the word was God. And, and then it says in 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Old Testament, God. New Testament, Jesus, the word. Jesus is the word. There are two wills in the Bible. There's God's will and there's man's will. There's his will and there's my will. There's his plan and there's your plan. There's his purpose and there's our purpose. There are two wills. And there are two gardens. There's a garden in the fall. We know what happened in that garden. And there's the garden on the eve of Good Friday, the Garden of Gethsemane. We know what happened in this garden, 
Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to the cross. Everything is pointing to the coming of Jesus, who's bringing the new wine. What was wrecked, what was wrecked in this garden was rectified in this garden. Jesus is making his way to the wine press. This is the wine press. Jesus is making his way to be pressed, to be trampled, to be crushed by God himself in our place instead of us for his glory so that we can get the new wine that's coming and the new beginning in the book of Acts. New wine for new beginnings. Old Testament, New Testament. Two beginnings, two wills, two gardens, one story. His story is your story. Thank you, Lord. He's coming to the wine press. He's here. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. He absolutely knew no sin. In the Old Testament, the type of Christ was a sacrificial lamb. The lamb had to be perfect, meaning it, didn't have, it couldn't be blind. It had to have all its legs and all its features. So this animal would represent the nation and the sin. They would take and extract all the blood of this animal, and this would be payment for their sin. It's pointing to Jesus it's pointing to the wine press. It's pointing to the one that's going to pour out all the blood, all his grape juice, the blood of the grapes. Why? Because he's bringing in a new system, a new way. It's not a new world order, it's a new word order. That's what he's bringing in. He's bringing that in. He's bringing from the old covenant. Why? Because what happened here in this garden, what was wrecked in this garden, was rectified in this garden. It took place in the wine press, and then resurrection could happen. And because of resurrection, we get the new wine. We too get resurrected, raised with Christ, as we saw these guys signify that in their baptism. New wine for new beginnings. Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. He was crushed. Someone had to pay the penalty. Jesus was the perfect lamb that took away. It didn't cover, didn't just atone means to cover. It took away the sin of the world and allowed the new wine to be poured out. Because again, in the Old Testament, Joel is sitting here looking towards the cross and saying, in the last days I shall pour out my spirit. I shall pour out the new wine. Thank you, Lord, for the new wine. And that's what Jesus is doing. The disciples are saying, why? What do you mean, the old wineskins? He's saying, what I'm bringing, what I'm demonstrating to you, by healing this person, by hanging around with these people, I'm dealing with you, I'm 
demonstrating to you what the new wine that I'm bringing is going to do. The Pharisees don't quite understand it because they were all about the external, the outside. You see, religion changes you from the outside in. But what Jesus was bringing, a movement, a faith that changes you from the inside out. New wine has to be poured into, into the new wineskins. Cool. I thought I'd just set it up a bit. <laughs> oh, I'll finish on time. <laughs> I've got four points that I'm going to quickly go through. <laughs> Number one is Jesus brought new wine and not cordial. <laughs> the first miracle that's recorded about Jesus was he changed water into wine. He didn't mix his drinks. <laughs> he didn't mix his drinks. He didn't mix the water to make new wine. He totally transformed it. He doesn't mix you and I. He totally transforms us. Jesus was at the wedding. He's at, he's at another party. It's no wonder that they're following him. He's feasting. He's at a party. And it gets better. They run out of water. And then Jesus' mum goes... Um, they're out of water. And Jesus turns to his mom and says, Woman, what does that have to do with me? Very dangerous thing to call your mother woman. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus could do that. Jesus can do that. And then his mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You can live on that one. Whatever he says, do it. Nike, you know, do it. So he didn't bring cordial, he brought water. For those who don't know cordial, like Cotty's cordial, he used to drink lemon, barley, raspberry cordial, a little bit of cordial and then lots of water. You mix it. But Jesus doesn't mix his drink. He brings the pure new wine, the pure Holy Spirit to wash and to cleanse us. Jesus is bringing a new wine that will bring total transformation. He's demonstrating to his disciples in Mark 2 what this transformation new wine is going to do. When Jesus said nobody pours new wine into old wineskin, he was also saying that you can't add Christianity to anything. We can't tag Jesus into our worldview. It's all or nothing. You don't mix Jesus. Well, I'll do this and I'm this and I'm that. And yeah, not Jesus. Jesus is not a menu. He's not on the menu of life. He's Lord of all or he's not of all. It's, no, it's lukewarm. He doesn't like lukewarm. You're hot or you're cold. He's not an app on your phone. You don't just tap on that app. If anything, he's a whole phone company. He's everything. But he's not an app. He's no hybrid. He's no genetic engineering. There's no mixing. It's the pure essence of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. He doesn't mix his drinks. And so if you thought that they were following him because he was going to feasts and and going to parties, well, he was turning water into wine. So, of course, a lot of people would continue to follow him for that. He was demonstrating the miraculous. And also, here's the original. I don't know if you've ever been to a party 
would they say, BYO? <laughs> Bring your own. Well, Jesus brought his own. It's the new wine. Not cordial. But the new wine that he's bringing, the BYO stands for you, for bless you over and over and over and over. This is the new wine that Jesus is bringing to the party. John sixteen seven. But I tell you, I'm going to do what is best for you. This is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage that I go to the wine press to be crushed. It's for you that I go and lay my life down. Why? Because then, 40 to 50 days later, in the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Prophesied over there by Joel in the Old Testament. Now we're in the New Testament. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says the Lord. Number two is what you carry you value or value what you carry. We're talking about wineskins. New wineskins carry the Holy Spirit. You carry the presence of God. Where you go, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Value what you carry. First Chronicles eleven fifteen to 19 in the Old Testament. Story about David and three of his mighty men. He had some powerful guys in his army. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam, or Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and he said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, a place that David knew very well. So the three, three soldiers broke through the Philistine lines. They drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and they carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this. He said, should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. These guys honoured their king or honoured David so much that they were willing to give their lives. Three guys broke through an entire army of Philistines just to get water for their king. They carried it back. They protected it. They valued because they honoured he who was going to receive it. What are you carrying? Are you willing to lay down your life for the purposes that God has for your life? Do you carry it in such a way that you honour your king the way that he honours you? What are you carrying? Value what you carry. David receives the drink and is just so, so shocked that they would do this. And he could not bring himself to drink it because to drink it would be almost like a, oh, it's nothing. But what he did, he took it as an offering to the Lord and he poured that water out to the Lord. Now, when you bring an offering to God, it's not just any willy-nilly thing. It's something that costs a lot. 
And these guys were willing to lay down their life. It cost them. And so David honoured the king by pouring out this water. What are you carrying? Value what you carry. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. We have this treasure of the Holy Spirit inside these clay jars. God is the potter and we are the clay. Allow him to mould us, shape us and stretch us and put his hands deep inside of us and begin to expand us so that we can contain more of his new wine. More of his new wine. We've got to become like the Doctor Who, you know, the TARDIS. It's very, you know, the, the police box. It's very small on the outside, but in the inside, it's huge. It, contain, it can contain and it can carry a lot. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6.19 Talking about wineskins, what are you carrying? Greater is he that is inside of you. And number three is to be bored out, to be poured out. Not bored out of your wits like no, <laughs> nobody here, but to be bored out. Bore, if you, to bore something out is to drill and drill something. And so there are things in our lives, even in my life as well, that I know need to be bored out in order for God to fully be able to pour me out, to be effective for the master's use. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. There are some things in our lives that it's good for us to make adjustments. We recognise things. How do we get things bored out? Well, it's good to have people that we trust and know us so well that they can pick things that you wouldn't really you know, admit to. Talking about myself. The other way is to the word of God. Allow the sword of the spirit to penetrate into our heart. And I have a, a little illustration here. Hey, Thor, can you just jump up here for a sec? You didn't know this. You just open that one up. So we're talking about to be bored out, to be poured out. So we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but it's not going anywhere. It's just staying. I'm not talking to anyone. I'm not loving on people. I have the Holy Spirit though. But then when I make adjustments in my life, the Holy Spirit can be, can be poured through me because there are things that need to be bored out so I can be poured out. And 
You just grab that one. Here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> Begins top it right up. Dig me out. All the way. Yep. All of it. Every hole here represents Thanks, Thor. Awesome. Give Thor a hand. Thanks, brother. Thank you. In a nutshell, every hole here represents a different facet of your life, whether that's work, relationships, church, ministry, sporting life, whatever, family. And then we can't just be remain full. We have to be poured out, not just poured out, overflowing, but through the different areas of our life. Because you want to be the same person you are at church when you're in the sport field. You want to be pouring out the same spirit at home, on the field, and in church, and then up here. It's the Holy Spirit. But you can't give out what you don't have. If you're empty, you need to be continually filled. Oh, it's empty now. We're filled. Be poured out. Be bored out to be poured out. The sword of the Spirit cuts. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. It's good for correction, direction, teaching and rebuking. It's the sword of the Spirit. Some of you may have heard me say it's the word, W-O-R-D, with the S in front. That's the Spirit on the Word. All Scripture is inspired. We need the sword of the Spirit to penetrate into us why? So that the Holy Spirit can flow through us so there are no more blockages or hindrances or cinderances that are going to hinder us from the race that God has called you to run with the grace that he's called you to begin your journey with him. God wants to pour his spirit into new wineskins. Let's take time to make some adjustments in my own life. Let's decrease that he may increase. Let's minimize that he may be maximized. Let him be the most seen in our lives as we begin to become a new wineskin. And the last one is number four, make room for the king. Make room for the king. Again, the process of fermentation is the expansion of the wine. The liquid is being expanded but the wineskin has to be fresh so it can handle the growth that the fermentation is bringing. The Holy Spirit is bringing growth and increase into our lives. He wants us to grow, to expand, to become all that he's called and graced us to be. Do you have room for the king? When Mary was looking and Joseph were looking for a place for Jesus to enter into the world, There was no room for them at the inn, the Bible says. Do you have room in your inn? Where is your inn? It's in here. Do you have room in your inn, in your heart, for Jesus? Or are you like an old wineskin that is full of self? You're already full. You're like, why do I need Jesus? I've got this, I've got that, I've got that. I don't need anything. You have no room for his grace. That's why Jesus said, no, the old wine skin will be ruined if you put it into if you put new wine into old wine skin. 
do you have room for Jesus? We have this image of one of the famous paintings of Jesus knocking at the door. And in Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I'd invite the team to come on. Do you have room for the king? One of the ways that God has taught us in his word to make room is to humble ourselves. There are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible and one of them is to be exalted is to go down. To go up is to go down. The way up is down. To get is to give. Different paradoxes. And one way we can make room for Jesus is to humble ourselves. The Bible says that when we humble ourselves, God gives us grace. He gives more grace to the humble. So when you humble yourself, what's happening? Deflating. You're decreasing. Now you're allowing room for the Holy Spirit to begin to breathe. You're allowing room for the fermentation and the transformation power of this new wine to begin to breathe in you. Now that you have space in your skin. It's like an old wineskin turning into a new wineskin. You come from a place where I don't need Jesus, I don't need God. But when you begin to humble yourself, you begin to realize that without God, I can be nothing, I know nothing, and I am nothing without him. So what do I do? I make room for the king. I make room, I make space in this place for his grace to allow me to run his race. He wants to come in. And the image that I had of Jesus is a famous painting of him knocking at the door. And then the common thing about all these paintings is on the door, there's no door handle. It implies that the door handle is on the inside, meaning Jesus and the Holy Spirit does not kick down doors, does not barge. He's a gentleman. He waits to be invited. Jesus come to bring new wine for your new beginning. Make room for the king in our lives because he's made room for you. In fact, he's made a mansion for you. He's made a place for you. One of the worship songs we sing is that in my father's house, there's a place for me. So this morning, as we bow our eyes, bow our heads, close our eyes, I'm going to close with, with an invitation to you to come and Invite the king into your life. The Bible says, whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. It's as simple as that. The hard work has been done on the wine press. You only need to believe and receive. We're going to put up a number on the screen, 488 I want to invite anyone here. If there is anyone here that does not know Jesus, you have not made the decision that these four guys and girls have made this morning to follow Jesus. 
If there's anyone here like that and you want to know Jesus, follow him. I want to invite you just to raise your hands if there's anyone here like that this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Lord. We also have a number up on the screen. If anyone here wants to take down that number, it's a yes text that we've been using. You're welcome to do that. And you can text that number anytime that you're ready to make that decision. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for that hand this morning, Lord, and forever is making that decision to follow you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would pour your new wine into them, Lord. Lord, that you would come into them, Father, and cause them to grow, Lord. Cause them to become everything that you have preordained them to be, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for salvation, for dying in their place, Lord. Thank you, Lord guide them, strengthen them, lead them into your ways, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help each of us, Lord, as we go into this new week, Lord, to continue to make room in our hearts for you, to make decisions to be bought out, to be poured out, Father. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you are Lord of all or not of all, Father. We thank you, Father. Have your way in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amazing.